me go ahead and hit record. I already have. Never know what go. insults you're going to lead with. So as soon as insults, the call starts. I, I would never. I would never. Although, uh, yeah, there was something I wanted to tell you and it was mean, but I can't remember. So you're getting off light. Been that, that mean then. It must have been like a, just a light scratch. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. That's true. If it really would wound you, I would remember. Mm. <laughs> I had a thought. So we're, um, we're not really changing formats as such where i think mainly we're allowing you to have a little bit more fun and leeway on yes. the show <laughs> finally because i've been it's been terrible for me just i hate every second recording see, this uh, show. hitchcock john ford spielberg what am i allowed to pick from that was sort of dave's uh mentality right and right. so we have handed that over to the 2022 updated list of sight and sound to be, I guess, the canon, if you will, of right. here's what's expected if you watch, which that was mildly controversial, I guess. Uh, maybe not so mild if you're on is. film Twitter. Like, to, to the rest of the world, they don't even know this exists. <laughs> this list came out. Gone. They... <laughs> yeah. Well, not quite true. So my, uh, my soon-to-be brother-in-law, Jeff, contacted me when this list came out. And he said, "Has have you seen this bullshit that's number one, this like oh. three hour long, basically silent movie that's that there? I was like, no, actually, I haven't. And he was like, then you have to watch it and you have to tell me why mm. this is so good. Okay. So he might have to wait for a number of years for us to get Ten. there. Ten years. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you plotted it out. The calendar. <laughs> what is this? Sober cinema? You just <laughs> scheduled well. it all the way out. Slightly more listeners than sober cinema, so we'll we'll see. You know, if we, maybe by the time we get to number Talk one, about that's the, the bar episode. is low, man. The bar is right, underground. Right. This is um, double digits. Hell, okay, uh, <laughs> fair enough. So, other than the, I guess, who is considered the uh, international, uh, the world champion of film, uh, probably not many other numbers on the list are regarded. And if I'm honest with myself, right. um, I don't think I ever paid too much attention like I, I scoured the entirety of the list i i remember i guess was it was it 10 years ago that vertigo toppled citizen kane yeah, yeah. so now we have yeah. a new champion um yeah. this one uh they did open it up a little bit more so i guess there were more new entries and the one we're going to talk about today is get out and yeah, very i imagine entry. that there wouldn't be as much controversy with get out and i would actually pause it having now rewatched it probably first time in a couple of years at least hmm. Uh, this is actually one that will stand the test of time. I think this is one think that so 50 years from now, uh, will still be considered a top 100 and people will remember it. It'll be, it's, well, I mean, it very quickly became conversational currency, I guess, in our landscape. Oh, yeah. like, even if you hadn't seen Get Out, you probably knew what Get Out meant if you didn't see it within right. the first six months. And it's interesting. I, you know, I watched it with Tessa and that's one of the things I mentioned that like, there are things in this movie that became shorthand. Uh, like the sunken place became a thing. Like people mm. knew what that was, especially, uh, you know, people talking about, you know, uh, race in relationships and what, you know, teasing all that apart. Like if some, if especially a black man was acting in a certain way, quote unquote, because of his white girlfriend or wife, people would say like, guys oh, in the sunken place. Like it just became, it was a cultural phenomenon. And like, wasn't this like, one of the most profitable movies of the last 20 years, like oh, it sure. cost like 10 bucks to make. And then it just went nuts at the box office. 
which at least that has remained, you know, through COVID. Uh, horror has done very well. We also yep. do not have $200 million horror movies coming out, which, I mean, that would be, I guess, uh, a Kubrick could have pulled that off. And we, Maybe, I believe yeah. we do have a Kubrick horror <laughs> entry that remained in the Sight and Sound 100. So as yep. Dave sort of alluded to, we're going to count down that 100, but right. we're only going to do one of their entries a month, which would bring us to the next list if we make it that 100 far. months. <laughs> That's also telling our listeners, hey, if you hate the new champion of film, uh, you got a long time to wait. It's the last it's episode. <laughs> so we're starting with Get Out. We're starting with something populist. Right. Dave will maintain um, his picks of maybe uh, highly, rega- highly regarded films that did not make uh, this particular yeah. list. I'll maintain a sense of decorum for this podcast where you and try I to drag us down to the mucky muck. 68% and below on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> that is the, the friends with benefits rule that we established in, yes. in episode zero. So Get Out. Um, I guess I hate to uh, timestamp it, but, you know, of course, we're going to do that. We're releasing this in January of 2023. Um, I did think, unfortunately, as two white guys, I think we're releasing this on (laughs) MLK weekend. I'm like, oh, is that too? (laughs) It's a bad look. (laughs) Blame sight and sound. Like, this is, you know, this is the the bottom of the list or tied for 95 or whatever. It should be number one. Blame them. Yeah. Nothing to do with us. Racist. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) I, this is not one that I have rewatched a lot. I think initially when it came out, I enjoyed it in theaters. I think I went back to see it. And then when I got it on digital video, watched it again. But now I haven't watched it without maybe a direct comparison to Jordan Peele's other work, which I think only affirms mm-hmm. its sort of place in a way that he is in a very brief time. Hopefully he does not go the way of like, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, who has declared the next right. Spielberg after The Sixth Sense. But very early on, he's developed a style. There's definitely like this sort of auteur theory at play with him yeah. where it's like, this mm-hmm. is you could tell this is a Jordan Peele film. And I think I appreciate it more now because I've not mm. been as high on the other two. And that right. probably had to do with the sort of like, uh, like the sort of the first album effect. I, I read that he mm. had like, he started writing this during the the first term of like the Obama presidency. And so he had a lot of time to go back. And, and this film is incredible from a screenplay perspective is incredibly tight like every little incident means something on a second or third viewing uh such as uh, an instant where a cop stops our uh beautiful uh white lady (laughs) by (laughs) allison williams dave is laughing because that is of course my background is her uh, yeah, they think the cop is off to the right. The cop, that's the scene I'm setting. Well done. Um, okay. Where she is, she does the sort of angry white lady thing uh, and wants to know why this police officer, after they've hit a deer, needs her black boyfriend's ID. And she very proudly says after the fact, when she's, you know, uh, being argumentative with the police officer that, you know, no one's going to bully her man, that sort of thing. So you guys uh, coming up from the city? Yeah, yeah. My parents are from the Lake Ponico area. We're just heading up there for the weekend. Mm. Sir, can I see your license, please? Wait, why? Yeah, I have state ID. No, no, no. He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Yeah, why? That doesn't make any sense. Here. No, no, no. Fuck that. You don't have to give him your ID because you haven't done anything wrong. Maybe, baby, it's okay. Come on. Anytime there is an incident, we have every right to That's ask. bullshit. Ma'am, get that headlight fixed. And that mirror. Thank you, officer. What? That was hot. Hot. I'm not going to 
see that. But of course, on a subsequent viewing, it's like, oh, she just doesn't want a record of this man mm-hmm. being on her yep. way in the area to this. There's so many little little details in this that on rewatch yeah. just add up. And I think I have to sort of compare that in a more positive light to his other films where it feels like there's a lot of ideas, but maybe he didn't mm. obviously he have sure. you know 10 to 15 years to have another pass at it. It's it's I would say this mm. one is maybe the uh, I'm I'm not you know demeaning it in any way. This is probably the uh simplest pitch. Or if you explain yeah. the premise, whereas his other work gets a little bit more involved, a little bit more complicated, and maybe splits, you know, and mashes up genres a little bit more than than Get Out does. Although the Golden Globes yeah. did say this was a comedy, I believe, back during its release. Yeah, yeah. hilarious movie. What? <laughs> I think actually, if I remember right, I feel like we've actually podcasted about this movie before, or at least talked a great deal All about right. it. Cancel the recording. Remember. I'll just find that track. <laughs> I'll just drop. It. This is the intro. <laughs> flashback sound effect there we go because i remember you uh had a negative reaction to the friend character who was constantly Mm, cracking jokes and being on the phone and i told tessa this and she was like appalled because she that was like she loved (laughs) that stuff and it made me think that because he's clearly the audience surrogate hello chris yo um hey what a rose it's um it's, it's me, Rod. Hi. Where's Chris? He left two days ago. He left? Yeah, he he got all paranoid and then he freaked out on me. And then he just got in a cab and left his phone. Wait, you haven't seen him? Oh, he never came back here. Oh, my God. Look, look, man, I've been calling his phone a bunch of times. Matter of fact, I went to the police. What did you say? I just said he was missing. Oh, g- good. You, uh... Let me ask you something. What cab company did he uh, did he use to leave? Oh gosh, I I don't know. I guess uh, maybe a a local one, or I guess he he could have called an Uber. Um, wait, I am so confused. Oh, you confused? Oh, sh- okay. Confused? You know something? Me too. Hold- Could you hold on one second? Okay. Okay, hold on. You lying bitch. She is lying like a motherfucker. I know that. Ooh, that TSA shit tingles. This motherfucker's lying. Fuck, I got you. I'm gonna record your ass. Record the shit out of you. You talk too goddamn much. You gonna say something? Right, he's the guy who's like, "Get out of there! What are you doing?" He's the one screaming he's the audience at the screen, shouting at the screen. Yes, and he's right. the one citing so, the obvious examples of that sounds kind of fucked up. That's a little weird. Yes, yes. So I was wondering because that is a common trope, not just in horror movies, but in movies in general. You have this one character saying the things that the audience is thinking. Do you have a negative reaction to that in general, um, or is it hmm. a little too big and brash and over the top here? You know, it did, it did not um, affect me on this viewing as much. Mm. And I think it's because on first watch, I was so into the, the sort of the ambiance and the vibe of the horrific mm. aspects uh, of going into this house and dealing with these uh, seemingly, um, or I guess probably politically voting left, these the sort of mm-hmm. upper class liberals. And I enjoyed 
the sort of the anxious nature of that. I mean, there's some mm. comedy there and that you're laughing at how absurd some of these interactions are with, as our main character says, uh, people who seemingly have never met a black person in their life. Cause all they want to <laughs> do is come up and talk to him about blackness and yes. which is, uh-huh. is, is, you know, off putting cause they, they are not clearly not close with them, but the cut back to the audience surrogate, like I think on my initial watch was I didn't want to break the tension at all. I just wanted to keep, I, I felt like that was mm. being done so well that I just wanted to just, let's just keep going. Let's just amp it up even more. Like I didn't want right. to be taken out of the perspective of the main character where you're this suffocating nature of not only a woman who wants to uh, hypnotize you to quit smoking, but uh, a, a brother, a younger brother that wants to like put you in a headlock and like, bite you. like <laughs> challenge you like, uh, you know, in your masculinity and the dad that just like clearly wants to just point out every time that he's approved of a black person having, you know, the, the reference to Jesse Owens, which also is beautifully played again uh, when yeah. you mm-hmm. understand, you know, the fact that the grandfather truly never did get over that. And, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this time, you know, and maybe that, you know, I think you and I have had separate conversations, maybe off mic, as far as what is the value of repeat watching? Like when you're making a list like this, do you just want it? Because there are some things I do, I may appreciate, but I don't know how many times I want to rewatch it. Like my, you know, we'll say my tie for my favorite film of 2022 was, was Tar. And it was tied mm. with Barbarian. Now, Barbarian is terrific, but I want to rewatch <laughs> that one over and over because it's so fun. Tar is something that is a full course meal that I appreciate, yeah. but I don't know how many times I would throw it up. Um, I think that I will say that the comedy here works a lot better from, for me on mm. rewatch because I don't, sure. I know what's going to happen a little bit. So I'm not as protective over building that tension on the second time. So, you know, on, on this time, I apologize to the supporting character and I did enjoy uh, his fun nice. conversations. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was, I was, yeah, wrong. No. You know what? I wasn't wrong. I was right. And now I'm right again. I'm just right. <laughs> I was right time. then. And, and now <laughs> I've changed, but I'm still right. Um, no, this, this point that I don't want to get obviously stuck on tar because we're here to talk about good out, get out. But I think you bring up a great point that the movies like that. Um, I will probably only rewatch when I'm introducing it to someone else where mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want you to see this. It's a great film. So I'll spend like half the movie looking at the screen and half the movie looking at them for their reactions. And that's an enjoyable process. But, uh, and I think we're going to have a lot of those movies on the sight and sound list. Like, you know, as you're fond of telling me the homework movies, like, huh? Mm-hmm. Here we go. The reason Mike has never watched, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, my favorite movie. Did that make the time. list or did that get bumped? I don't, you know what? I'd even check. I assume please, it did. Please, young would progressive be, would voters, bump it. Bump it off the list. <laughs> but this is one of those movies, I think, that threads that needle. Like, I think it is a great film, but I think it's also kind of a lot of fun. Like, it, it, it's one of those movies that flies by. It's like an hour and 50 minutes, but it feels like a 90-minute movie. Um, and I think it was really interesting to rewatch this now that Daniel Kaluuya's, Kaluuya's uh, career has kind of exploded. And he's done really well, and he's won awards, and amazing but watching him here man it's like a it's like a master class in almost silent acting like every small reaction it's so great that you know it's the difference between film acting and stage acting stage acting you got to be big and over the top and ridiculous and oh my god i'm so surprised i mean you but could give gets... this performance on stage but it would just be to the front row <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> but here just these little eye twitches and this little slight eye roll when these things are happening and i love all these moments with him and allison williams character is that before you find out that she is 
you know, kind of a mastermind and a monster behind all this. She's constantly like, oh, I'm so angry at this. And you can see on his face, like, um, I'm black in America. Like, this is nothing. It's annoying. <laughs> it's stupid, but whatever. You know, so you see that kind of overreaction from the partner who hasn't lived that experience. And his process through that is just so so good like he's so inherently watchable i also couldn't get over like just i forgot just how young he looked in mm. comparison to seeing him now as an actor where he's kind of grown into his face and you know looks a little bit different so just like he is one of those people you just want to look at like you just want to look at what he's doing with his face it's such a great performance and you know it's and like you said the script is so tight it's i'm a fan of nope um but it is big and it does take a lot of huge swings and not all of them land, but the ones that land are good enough for me. Um, but this one, there's like no, no error here. Nothing doesn't land, you know, all the characters that are supposed to disgust you and scare you do like, honestly, the sound of the mother stirring the tea is one of the most haunting things I've seen in a movie in the past decade. And it's just a spoon hitting the edge of a teacup. But that has, and that's another thing that's resonated. I think that's actually uh, Jordan Peele's production company. That's their their little image when you first mm. when it first shows. It's the it's a cup being stirred with no hand attached to it. So it's just become his kind of watermark. And man, this is a movie that I was so glad I got a chance to watch again. Like I was just like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. And I don't. <laughs> Not to be the opposite of what I'm usually on the show, but I don't think I'm going to have a lot of those moments uh, with the movies that I make. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, it's time, but I get to make Mike watch this, so this is good. Uh, wow. I'm glad you have that. that. Yes, thank goodness. <clears throat> it, I mean, it is Get Out, and this came out in the early part, was it February 2017? Do I have my... Yeah, yeah, um, that sounds right. Yeah, February, March, so, pretty late February. Yeah. Coming up on six years old, but is there a lost art to creating meaningful works that can be wildly entertaining? And like the one that I, I thought of, and it's, uh, I don't think, you know, politically it's as certainly as, as significant, but The Silence of the Lambs was another, I think, February release in the yeah. horror genre that went on to win best picture, whereas this was, was nominated one for screenplay. Um, mm -hmm. But that is another one that is wildly entertaining. It is tough as mm -hmm. far as subject matter, because it is right. a horror film, but that used to be considered sort of the norm of being a memorable sort of best picture contender of the time. And sure. Right. There was, there were the, the sort of the boring, you know, biopics, I guess, but there was a lot of populist <laughs> entertainment and get out. Uh, it was kind of shocking that it had to be surprising in 2017 that a horror film could be nominated considering the silence of the yeah. lambs, considering the exorcist, like it takes a while for the one time. Yeah. There's like through. one every 15 years or so, <laughs> but I'm here's, saying that let's bone. remove the, the horror aspect of it. As much as I love tar, where are the entertaining, but uh, you know, fulfilling i guess works out there now where where are they you're, going? you're gonna make me you're gonna make me go really negative here oh, Mike. well they're, they're i was trying to be negative gone. so you go ahead they're, <laughs> oh, they're, they're you're gone. saying it's over they're gone <laughs> they're gone because of the streaming mm. aspect of everything if this movie was written in 2020 
it doesn't get a theatrical release straight to Hulu or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No big stars, right? Jordan Peele is someone who's totally unproven. He's a he's a comedic actor who had a sketch show. Nobody was really expecting anything out of this. And I think probably the same thing for another wildly entertaining movie that I loved, John Wick. I don't think if you made John Wick now, I don't. I mean, it, what's the there was a there was a Charlize Theron uh, action movie that came out like three or four years ago. The some the something guard or the old something guard like that. It was a straight to Netflix. The old guard yeah. straight mm-hmm. to Netflix. Right. I never watched it. With, I say that with some with authority. The I never watched it's it. It's fine. Oh, yeah. It's fine. I mean, it's enjoyable. Like it's an action movie with Charlize Theron kicking ass. It's great. But I think we're getting further and further away. And, you know, since we are recording and releasing this in January, everything is failing the theaters. Like if it's not Avatar, nobody's interested. I'm going to go see Babylon tonight. I'll be one of nine people that has seen that movie. I'll be one you of, know, uh, I'd say 25, seeing Megan tonight, hoping, <laughs> yeah, hoping that the yeah. horror continues you know to save the Maybe, actual. Honestly, that movie looks so weird and fucked up that, like, it might be a hit. Like, it just, I hope so. I, was, <laughs> I don't know. I, think... I have no personal stake in this, but I'm rooting <laughs> so hard for it. So, so Megan, I we saw the trailer once, and... <laughs> Tessa, my lovely soon-to-be wife, was like, that looks really good. And I was like, that looks dumb as hell. <laughs> and then we saw it again with her mother and her mother, who had been so totally upset by the other trailers. I can't remember what else it was, but she was like, ugh, these look terrible. Probably something like Babylon. <laughs> right. After that, she leaned over and says, no, that has potential. <laughs> Damn right. I was like, and I was like, right. I don't know, maybe, maybe this is going to be a huge The women in your life knows? have their fingers on the pulse. <laughs> They know what's they really do. They know what's going they on. They really do. Yes, absolutely. Apparently so. I I also think Get Out is maybe it set the standard for this, but it's also kind of ahead of its time when it's talking about the white liberal. Right. I mean, I think it's making some very pointed jabs here. It's not just that these white liberals happen to be evil. It's that like, no, no, look, you may mean well. But saying things like, I would have done this, I would have voted for Obama nine times if I could have, does not help anything. <laughs> and all it, it's doing is propping you up instead of Black people. From a and distance, making, too. There is certainly yeah. a class remove where they. Yeah, the only really Black people in his be. life are his servants. Like, that's. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, like, you know, and there's. It's so interesting to rewatch this movie. There's so many moments when you're first watching it that you're like, what is happening here like the whole bingo game scenario and then as you watch it again you're like oh this is a fucking slave auction like Mm -hmm. this is so messed up and everyone is so cool about it and you have these characters you know like Stephen root's character in the beginning you're like man he's the one he he gets it he's okay and then of course it ends up he's you know the ultimate villain in this scenario so it's like i as I was watching this, I just thought to myself, and I said to Tessa, like, I wonder what the conversations in the Peel home were like, because he married a white woman. Uh, I, I wonder, as he was writing this and as this movie came out, like, what uh, that, I feel like that might be a little he, awkward. He had your experience that you'll have with Tar, where he's like watching his, uh, you know, his chosen lover and is like, hmm. With fear, maybe. <laughs> like, how is she going to react? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those movies that its screenplay is so perfect, it actually becomes hard to talk about. 
because there's no like, well, you know, these there's these choice points here and could have gone a different direction, except for, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember my only complaint about Get Out when we first was talked it the ending? It? I believe it was, was the, the ending. ending. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was team Jordan Peele's original ending because I feel like and as I kind of and I still like the ending, the ending's still good. But in listening to Jordan Peele talk about the ending, it kind of became clear that the producer was like, uh, dude, we got to we got to lighten this up a little bit. This is a little rough because the original ending is the cops show up and they kill our main character, which especially given what has happened in the past five or ten years with police seemingly killing black people constantly mm-hmm. um would have been you know a much harsher ending and it's nice for the audience to be able to breathe a sigh of relief but i think for white audiences that you're letting them off a little bit too easily right where you're like oh this friend came to save the day when in reality when when you see those sirens for the first time your thought is and probably should be like oh no it's like, not the heroic and noble end. TSA showing up. <laughs> yeah, truly investigate these matters of <laughs> yes. sex cults. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's fair. I don't. I don't think the film. I mean, I, I, certainly the mood. I, maybe it wouldn't be as populist. Um, Probably not. But, <laughs> Do you imagine yeah. walking out of this screening like? Whoa. <laughs> I think it still would have worked. I mean, I, you know, yeah. you you have a different vibe, but I I don't think that it changes things dramatically. You know, I think back to like uh, Do the Right Thing. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have to have Sal's Pizzeria be destroyed like that. That yep. it, it doesn't seem like it's building to anything else other than that. But you also maybe could have ended the film with that. I don't think it would be quite as strong because I love the fact that Mookie and Sal he comes for his paycheck the next day. Like there's a yeah. conversation <laughs> after that event. Yep. I do love that, and maybe that's a similar thing here where it's just you know Psycho gets made fun of especially modern uh, sensibilities for its for its ending uh mm-hmm. maybe it's just allowing the audience you know in the theater to to breathe a little bit and right. sort of digest what just happened as opposed to giving them one more bit of blunt force trauma and then cutting like, to totally I, I don't i don't yeah. know I, I i could go either way there yeah yeah you're saying it's, it's it deserves those... to be knocked off the list for the ending you're like kick it off no. it doesn't deserve <laughs> well it. actually no uh, but I was just thinking this would be something I would be much more upset about if like critics had shit all over this movie because of the ending. They'd be like, oh, if you had kept that original ending, this would be seen as one of the greats. Mm. But it clearly still is yes. seen as one of the greats. And it's it's going to be interesting if people come back to this in 10 or 15 years from now, if it feels trite when it's talking about race relations and people and this happens when you watch older movies talk about topics like this or like well we've already come so far this is nonsense so it's going to be interesting to see this over the years because i think i think movies that don't touch on social topics like this or social problems tend to have more longevity because like you look at any way we dealt with race gender sexuality any of these things you go back even 15 years and you're like you have to kind of like well it was a different time and we didn't know these things i mean the silence of the lambs that i mentioned we didn't get into the the conversation about how transphobic yeah yes absolutely Yeah. yeah and that it's interesting this is how you know you're getting really old when you're like that wasn't that long ago oh god that was a long time ago when that movie came out 
damn it. <laughs> this is how Dave becomes a conservative. He's he's going to be stuck in the politics of 2017. So wherever progressivism was in 2017, that's, that's where Dave right. stops. That's right. I think also it'll be interesting to see how people view this if Jordan Peele, depending on how Jordan Peele's career goes. Right. Because, you know, people it seemed like a lot of people mostly liked us. You and I were not big fans of that movie. We had issues with it. Um, nope seems to be kind of split. Like it's it's probably like a 70 to 80 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's good. <laughs> but when you compare it to like coming out of the box like this, I mean, making legitimately a classic in your first attempt, like I was watching this and watching the opening and hearing the music and just like you did your first movie and it made the list of the hundred best films ever made. How do you <laughs> not, how do you top that? How do you even move forward? I mean, you like, can pull a Kubrick tough. and put one out every seven years or a decade. Right. And, really? You know, like you have plenty of time then. This. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, as someone who's not that big of a fan of uh, us and, and Nope, uh, they're still wildly interesting movies. There were ones that I would want yeah. to revisit, and mm-hmm. I, I like those wild swings myself. As opposed to yeah. uh, playing safe, I don't think it, it's weird that in comparison, Get Out feels stylistically safe compared to right because it's not after. a safe subject matter <laughs> right. at all. And yet, in compare, and maybe do you think it's just the like the radical acceptance of this movie, and it you know it won some awards and it made a boatload of money so he got to do whatever he wanted do you think he just like had too much freedom as opposed to this movie where you're like mm. kind of trapped in certain boxes i wouldn't say that i would I would say he's just pushing himself you know right. i mean he's you know radiohead was not going to keep playing creep over and over there's a reason like God, okay computer a better world out. a better world <laughs> there it is conservative dave play I your hit hate radiohead what do you want from me and you know the best line about radiohead is actually from bradley whitford in the west wing who was also in this movie because reviewing a cost-benefit analysis for every military base in the country is as mind-numbing as a radiohead concert uh yeah and the one under it and deciding which military bases we don't need anymore is the most politically disastrous thing you could ever get involved with begging me to find a clip to, to end this yeah, episode that's what i'm um, here for <laughs> i'm happy that we start off so strong uh with get yeah, out both had fun <laughs> yes um and what are we doing next what are which are we going with mine or yours do we decide yours that? yours is oh, yours okay. is coming next yeah yeah and what was mine even called i don't remember it's on tubi <laughs> I, Mike's just like I know where it is. I don't know what it is. I got it right here. Is it called just the, hold on. Like the girls or something? It's not the. It women. is called the group. The group. That's it. I yes. knew it was a generic yes. title. Uh, Sydney Lumet <laughs> film that I have not seen. That uh, I think was at sixty six percent Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, just under the wire. <laughs> I I didn't choose it obviously in connection with Get Out because you and I privately both kind of grumbled about how they do some of the slotting where it's like five or six movies tied so it's like you can't we have to just pretty much decide all right what is the first one off the list we're doing mm-hmm. i think get out was good to you know tell our listeners it's yeah. not gonna be all art house shit you won't be bored the hey, entire time just the majority i will of the give time. you some fun yes. <laughs> it's fine <laughs> but i don't want people to think that i chose a 1960s film about a group of white women just because of allison williams that is just um a funny coincidence that it worked out that way. <laughs> hmm. 
Yeah, so we're we're doing like you know this month it's we're going straight Sydney Lumet. Like that's that's our right because I'm doing the verdict, which is another like very well thought of uh, Lumet movie, which I also haven't seen. So that'll be fun. So Trump just setting up there, we're not Paul trying to, to tie these in to the whatever random ass sight and sound. We're it's just yeah. kind of what Dave and I feel like watching. Yeah. Really, what we're saying is Sydney Lumet pretty racist. That's that's really yeah, what we're that's getting what we're at saying. here. <laughs> Although I don't know why, because <laughs> like, if anyone's like looking for Sydney Lumet podcasts, we don't want to insult that. We're, you know what? We're not saying that. We're not. We're not. We're please stay. What we are and saying listen more is that Allison Williams is attractive. She's she's a little too good at this role. It's uh, it's concerning. Like just as toxic as she was on Girls, and just as pretty. So that you know. sound of yours me rubbing my palms together. Just... <laughs> Mike's having a moment. Wouldn't it be worse if I was rubbing my palms together for just a mention of Sidney Lumet? I don't even know what he looks like. I'm just like, oh yeah, my man Sidney. Oh yeah, baby. Sidney Lumet and a bunch of white ladies. 